Hello, and welcome to the NLP Highlights Podcast, where we talk about interesting recent work in natural language processing. This is Matt Gardner and Walid Ammar. We are research scientists at the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence. So today's paper is somewhat unconventional. It's a paper published at Distill.pub, uh, which we'll talk about, uh, about a bit later. Uh, the title of the article is Attention and Augmented Recurrent Neural Networks. It's written by Chris Ola and Shane Carter at Google Brain. In NLP, we care about modeling sequences a lot. One of the standard ways of modeling sequences is to use a recurrent neural network, which defines the output of each step as a function of its inputs, and reuse the same parameters across all the steps in the sequence. In this paper, Chris and Chen review some RNN extensions and uh, discuss why they think these extensions are going to be important uh, for NLP. So the reason I said this article is not conventional is that it's published um, at a new journal. Uh, it has a strong emphasis on outstanding communication with the goal of deepening our understanding of the methods used in machine learning. And it doesn't necessarily require that you have a great contribution in the methods that you're actually describing. And um, this new uh, journal allows you to use new types of interaction that are not possible in static mediums like uh, like PDF files. Okay, so the title of this paper is Attention in Augmented Recurrent Neural Nets. Like These are things that we've studied for a while. What, what does this paper do? Right, the paper discusses four extensions to RNNs. The first one is fairly standard. Many people already use it, uh, although it it's only been around for a couple of years. It's the attentional um, interfaces. So when humans process sequences, we often focus on one part at a time before moving to process other parts in the sequence. And attentional interfaces enable you to do this by maintaining a distribution over positions in the sequence and use it to compute a weighted sum of the sequence representation at each position. So to compute the distribution, you can compute a dot product between a query vector, which represents the thing that you actually care about, and a vector representation of each position in the sequence. Then produce a scalar score for each position, which you then feed to a softmax layer and get a distribution over the different positions. And you can get more complicated uh, interactions between the query vector and the vector representing every step uh, by defining a more complex relation. So you can have a parameterized function uh, and you learn the parameters of this uh, of this function uh, from your training data. The second extension is called the neural Turing machines. Here, at every time step, the RNN reads data from an external memory, do some processing, then writes data back to the external memory. The memory is simply a collection of vectors with addresses. And the tricky thing about reading and writing is that we want them to be differentiable with respect to the address that we're writing or reading from. So to accomplish this, neural Turing machines read and write to all locations at the same time, uh, but do this at two different degrees. So when we're reading, we compute an attention distribution over all positions in the memory and read the weighted sum of all the memory locations. And then we're, we, whenever, when we are writing, we update the value at each position using a weighted sum between the previous value at this location and the new value that we're trying to write. And the weight uh, is, con is controlled by the attention score for this location. So the way the attention scores are computed in the neural Turing machines is kind of interesting. Um, so you want to do both 
content-based and location-based attention. Um, and uh, by, by content-based is what we talked about uh, a bit earlier, where you have a query vector and you're trying to match it to every uh, location in the memory to find which ones are most, are, are most relevant to this query. And then you get a distribution over these locations. But then you can also interpolate, interpolate this with the attention that you have from a previous step in order to maintain some level of continuity uh, between the thing that you've been processing before and the thing that you're currently processing. Sometimes you also would like to do um, to introduce a shift in, um, in the attention. So in order to do this, they convolve the attention scores with a filter which uh, basically moves the attention one step further. Uh, this way, um, this way you can say you're really saying, look at the next position in the memory. I guess this is so that you can encode, uh, say you're, you read in several a sequence of words. You can write the sequence of words to memory in successive times in successive memory slots, and then read from them successively again. So exactly. that you can get like lists of things stored in your memory and operate them operate on them as lists, right? Exactly, yes. And uh, the controller, who is uh, actually defining what the shift should look like, can go back and uh, reprocess the same uh, the sequence from the beginning uh, at a later time. So I thought that was, uh, that was uh, kind of interesting. And uh, we can think of uh, applications where we need to store some data um, and then read it again. Uh, although currently, I don't see myself using this. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. When, when I think about a neural net being able to reason over complex facts or common sense knowledge or uh, even like a knowledge graph, for instance, it seems totally implausible for me to have the network memorize all of these facts as weights in its network. And instead, what you would probably want to do is have some kind of mem memory mechanism. Maybe it's the tape on a neural Turing machine. Maybe it's something else. I don't really know what this looks like. I don't think anyone has really figured this out yet. There have been some ideas, but we still don't know. But having the network be able to access at runtime a discrete set of facts or other, other kinds of information and then be able to do operations on them seems like a really important thing because we're just not going to be able to encode um, arithmetic or chained, reason, chained inference over discrete facts in, in a network's weights. It's just not going to happen. Right. I think also memory networks do this to a limited degree where you're only limited to one vector. Uh, but this gives you the ability to do, uh, yeah, to, it's more flexible in, in how it stores the information. Yeah, there's a lot of similarity between how the neural Turing machine works and how a memory network works. Right, so the next uh, extension we discuss in the article is adaptive computation time. So by default, RNNs do the same amount of computation at each position in the sequence. So the idea here is to enable us to do up to k computations as needed. Or, or less if there is no need to do all the k computations. So at ev whenever we're doing a computation at a particular step, in addition to consuming uh, the hidden state at the previous position and generating a new hidden state, we also compute a probability that represents the degree to which this computation fulfills our need at this position in the sequence. And we keep aggregating the probabilities after every computation within the same step until this cumulative probability exceeds one, at, this, at, the, at which point 
we move on to compute uh, the next uh, position in the sequence. So you could think of uh, an RNN that's doing some kind of language modeling thing or like trying to get representations for individual words in a sentence. Uh, you could imagine that the amount of thinking or computation you might want to do for each word is, is different uh, because maybe some words are expected and syntactically easy to process and some words are hard, like garden path sentences, something like the cat the dog bit meowed uh, is just hard to parse and so when you get to the word meowed, maybe uh, in order to process that word you'll take a few more steps and reevaluate what you did. Like The adaptive computation time stuff doesn't do this exactly, but these kinds of things help to motivate this idea, I think. Right, and I think also the question answering, when you, have multi, when you do multi-step multi reasoning, um, it makes sense to uh, make the number of reasoning steps you want to do in a memory network adaptive. Uh, I think Mark may have, Mark uh, Neumann have, may, have some, may have done something uh, with this. Yeah, we, we played around with this for a little bit briefly. Mark Neumann is, is working with me for for now, and his master's thesis at the University of College London was examining adaptive computation time on entailment decisions, and then we tried it out with memory networks for a bit. We have, I guess, we have code that implements it, but uh, didn't pursue it very much because decided that memory networks weren't that interesting to pursue. So the next extension is called a neural programmer. Here we try to learn how to apply operations to solve a problem given input and output pairs of the problem. So at every step, the controller RNN outputs a probability distribution over a predefined set of operations that you could achieve, you could perform. And uh, each, each operation uh, operates on the output of the previous step and the output of the two steps back. So this is just, um, um, a restricted way uh, of defining how to how to make computations or how to write programs. And uh, yeah, so the first step is to uh, to select to make the, to to define the distribution over the operations that are possible. And the next step is to actually compute all uh, run the inputs through each of the operations and compute an average. Uh, a weighted average for the outputs of, a, of every operation in order to feed into the following steps. I guess it seems a little odd to me to have this like weighted combination of operations. So the reason they have to do this at all, it seems, is because uh, they only get a question-answer pair and there's some sequence of operations that you have to take to get from the question to the answer and the, this set of operations is not observed. And so in order to handle the fact that your latent decisions are not observed, they, they do this attention uh, and do this weighted sum over the output of all the outcome of each operation uh, in order to make this differentiable end to end. Um, I, I guess thinking there, there are lots of problems in NLP where we have these kinds of action sequences. And like, could you even do this kind of method at all in a shift reduce kind of dependency parse? That this seems implausible. Um, so it's an interesting idea, um, doing this weighted combination of the outcome of some action seems like a narrow, it, it has pretty narrow application though, I think. Right, I think it's a, it's a mediocre solution to, uh, to, like, to make the network differentiable. It's also, we have also the same problem in the uh, neural Turing machines, 
where you don't really want to write to all the locations at the same time. Typically, we want to write to one location, and we want to read from one location. But for the same reason, they also decided to compute an, uh, a distribution and write and read from everything, all locations at the same time. I think it, it may be less of a problem if you um, like intensify the uh, probability distribution um, hard enough, if you sharpen the distribution hard enough. Uh, but it's not going to go away. So we just talked about four different ideas. Uh, does this paper like introduce all of them? Like what's going on? Like I, all of these ideas were published by other people, right? Exactly. The paper does not introduce any of them. It just tries to make it easier for people to understand these ideas. And I think it's doing a good job at this. Yeah, so I guess... Um, this particular episode is probably best thought of as a pointer to Distill, which is like the whole point of Distill, this journal, is to show things in an interactive way and visualize them in nice ways. So it's a little hard to talk about this in a podcast, I think. But you should definitely check out this this website. Um, the, the, the article is online. You can see it. They have really nice visualizations, really nice explanations for what's going on. So if you want to understand all these things that we talked about a little bit better, um, that's the whole point of this new journal, and it, it so far does a really good job at it. Right, it is a peer-reviewed journal, although uh, most of the papers there were written by the editors of the journal. So <laughs> it's it's still pretty new. Hopefully right. that will change. Yeah, and so if you if you're compelled to write um, very clear visual to like to create very clear visualizations for your research. Um, there's also something called the Distill Prize, so uh, it's like $10,000 if you manage to, uh, to do a great job at writing an article and submitting it at Distill. Okay, thanks, Waleed, for talking about that paper. Next time we'll talk about a paper titled ArcSwift, a novel transition system for dependency parsing. <laughs>